nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. Well, 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 welcome back to the Zika Health Show. This is weight management expert, Narado Zico-Powell. Today, I have for you a longtime colleague, health and wellness coach, Cheryl McCogan, founder of the Heal, Nourish, Grow LLC, and host of the fantastic podcast, Heal, Nourish, Grow. In this episode, we're going to discuss the benefits of a keto diet, how to properly implement a keto diet, and as a bonus, at the end, she will give you some tips to properly begin a keto diet and get over the terrible, terrible keto flu. And with that being said, let's get this puppy started. Hey, Cheryl, how are you doing today? I am great. And that was like one of the most fantastic introductions I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, I get that a lot. I get that a lot. It's so funny. Whenever I introduce someone, they're like, that's what best intro I, I at least one out of every four or five guests. I'm like, I guess I'm better at intros than I thought. I thought I sucked at intros, but. Oh, no, you're amazing. And you've got the, the whole radio voice. It's awesome. It's the mic. It's the mic. I'm, my, my voice sounds <laughs> nothing like this. Don't, don't be fooled, people. Don't be fooled. Um, but with that being said, Cheryl, tell us about yourself and tell us about your work. Sure. So as you mentioned, I run Heal, Nourish, Grow, which is a healthy lifestyle, ultimate wellness and advanced nutrition website. So I provide all kinds of information on the latest trends and nutrition and, and health and wellness. I've been into all this stuff myself for well over 25 years now, um, longtime yoga practitioner, yoga instructor. Um, my background's in psychology and addiction studies. So I really love helping people develop new healthy habits. Um, so I do some coaching and things around that and run different programs and often speak. Actually, I'm just getting ready to speak at the uh, Women in Keto Summit that's coming up on Monday, April 25th. So this episode will probably be out after that, but I think it's one of those things where you might be able to pick it up afterwards if you're interested. But um, yeah, so I just try to uh, help people and myself be just a little bit better every single day. I love that. You know, and usually when it comes to health and fitness coaches or anyone that's in the health field, really, it's usually one of two things, right? Usually they have underlining health issues and they've overcome it, which is what happened to me. Or they just have this, and you're one of the, you go, you're in that category as well. So you have, or you just have the passion for it, which in your case seems like it's both. And so before I continue, what struggles did you have that led you down the path of the keto diet? Well, so um, two of my passions are keto and fasting. So I'll just start with a little bit about the fasting first, because that's actually what came first. So as a person involved in yoga for so many years, um, fasting was not unusual to me. It's something that yogis do is kind of part of the spiritual and disciplined practice. So to me, fasting wasn't weird, 
But 25 years ago or 20 years ago, if you'd mentioned to people that you were fasting, they would think that you had some kind of eating disorder, right? So I rarely talked about it, just kept that to myself. Um, but then what happened was in about 2016, I started doing some more research because my dad got diagnosed with a second cancer. And uh, I started trying to figure out like, hey, and I'd had my own health problems, um, surgeries for these tumors. And, and it's a very long story that I don't need to go into. It's, it's on my website if anybody cares about that. But I had a lot of health reasons, basically, to like get my act together. I was already doing so many healthy things, but I really wanted to see if there was anything that I could do further to try to prevent cancer because there's so much of it in my family, not just my dad, unfortunately. Um, so what I first found when I started looking into some of this was I ran into the 2016 Nobel Prize for autophagy. And I, his has a long Japanese name that I'm not going to attempt to say. <laughs> um, but when I saw that, I was like, oh, autophagy is the first time I'd ever really heard of it. And basically, it's your body's cellular cleanup process. So and it happens most strongly when you're not eating, when you're fasting. And so when I learned about this, I was like, okay, this seems like a good plan. Like if it's easy enough to do, I'd already had experience with it. And if it could possibly, you know, clean up some damaged cells that might eventually turn into cancer, well, then... I might as well do it. So I started practicing that right away. Almost immediately, I started at least intermittent fasting and started committing to a longer fast um, on a regular basis. And in doing that research, then I came across keto kind of at the same time. So shortly thereafter, I started eating lower carb and eventually, you know, whittled all the way down to keto. Um, but yeah, so that's been basically since 2016. That's kind of how I got into all of it. And then when I left my last corporate job, I had had this website name for actually, I don't remember what year I bought it, a long time ago, <laughs> before I started the site for sure. Um, and so I just finally decided to go for it and share my passion for health and wellness and really try to share, you know, a lot of the things that I had been learning over those few years. And I'm glad you went for it. I'm really glad you went for it because said, I've been following you for so many years now and you wanted a few people actually do still follow and you provide a lot of good information. And I do appreciate that. And I want to piggyback on some of the things that you're talking about, because I have a lot of experience in that in that field as well. So keto and fasting kind of go hand in hand, in my opinion. It's almost impossible to do one without the other. You can't, you can't get into ketosis without fasting. Of course, you know that. But when you fast, you do can speed up that process that you do enter into ketosis. Another thing too is the cell autophagy is a very important thing that we don't really don't don't think about, right? Yes, it happens all the time. It's a natural process of the body, but it's the same thing with ketosis. It can happen faster, more efficiently if you fast. Um, I interviewed. I'm trying to remember which doctor said this to us to me. This said this to me the other day. I can't remember. Which, I think it was uh, Michael Platt, I believe. But he said that most of us are in a post-digestive state where we eat where our body's breaking it down, then we eat again, because we're hungry, our body break it down, and our blood sugars is just kind of like on a roller coaster, because we're always in that post-digestive state, right? What that, what, that's not a good state for our bodies. Our bodies are not designed to do that. Our bodies are supposed to have period of rest and periods where it can clean itself up. Um, when I interviewed um, um, Alexandra, Alexandra Rest, and she mentioned motiline, and it's a hormone that's important for, for gut, gut motility. And that happens best when we're not eating. So again, another benefit of fasting, because you have better gut motility. So fasting is so important. For me, helping my asthma, fasting has been crucial for me. 
Now, I don't do crazy lengthy fast. Not saying, not really going to say crazy, but I don't do a lot of lengthy fast. I do do a dinner to dinner fast once a week. It's around 22 to 24 hours, but most of my daily fast are around 14 hours or so. Um, and it depends different, and it's different for everyone as well, and also different for women. So fasting is a very important tool, and ketosis is also a very important tool. But don't just listen to the podcast and think, oh, I'm going to fast and get into ketosis, but understand that it looks different for everyone, gender per gender, or just down specifically to what you need. So I want to be clear about that. Now, let's get into keto a little bit more then, because I'm already hitting on that now. So what are the physical benefits in, in, in beyond being in a keto diet or going on a keto diet? Well, I can speak to my personal benefits, of course, but some of this stuff that I'll talk about are things that I, I hear from people every day about various things that they are like loving about it or not liking about it, or, you know, it's, it's, but we'll talk about the benefits first. So for me, the benefits, um, I had gone into a really stressful point in my life, right? When I started this, I had been traveling all over the world, producing tech conferences. So there's the whole, the, um, like bad sleep and time zone changes and all this stuff and just additional job stress. I was, you know, still going through, um, just to finalize my divorce, like right before that. And so there's just a whole bunch of really stressful things going on. And I had put on some weight and this is from a person I've like mostly been like a healthy weight my whole life. Um, but I've always been very focused on it. It's not like I didn't work on it. It wasn't like I was lucky. I always, it was always a priority for me. Um, but during this time I was just really starting to have trouble. And so for me, of course, one of the benefits and one of the main reasons that people tend to come to keto to start with is weight loss. And so that worked really well. It was a lot easier than it ever had been in the past when I switched to keto because um, you mentioned, you know, the horm or the hunger signals and the blood sugar going up and down, up and down. Once you even that out, once you have even blood sugar, the hangry monster, I like to call it, gets off your shoulder. <laughs> and I was always one of those people. I couldn't go for, you know, multiple hours without eating, without being cranky about it. Like before, when I fasted, when I still was a regular carb person or carb eater or whatever you want to call it, it was, I could do it, but it was definitely more challenging. Like I'd get headachey, I would be hangry the whole time, but I'd, I'd muddle through it. Well, now... When I fast, I, since my blood sugar is even and now I've been fat adapted for a really long time, it's relatively easy. That's not to say I never get little hunger pangs when I'm fasting, but it's definitely so much easier. So that's definitely a benefit. Um, the mood, the improved focus. A lot of people talk about mental clarity. I definitely experienced that. And as a person who writes a lot for my job, that has been a really wonderful thing because you can just really have sustained amounts of focus a lot easier. Um, what other benefits? Oh, here's the biggest one. And people don't like to talk about this a lot. Some doctors are starting to talk about it, but sometimes they're getting in trouble for it. <laughs> and that is um, that you can actually reverse, I don't want to say cure because they won't say cure, but you can really reverse type two diabetes just by the way you eat, by eating low carbs. So if you're tired of paying for metformin every month and paying for insulin every month, you know, work with a professional if you're going to do this, but I hear every day from type two diabetics that have uh, lowered their A1C to a normal level, feeling really good, lost weight. I think in my opinion, that's got to be one of the biggest benefits because if you look at our population, only 88% are I'm like, actually, only 12% of us are actually metabolically healthy. So that means the other 88% are not metabolically healthy. And that is research out of UNC, North Carolina. I'm not just making that up. Um, so of those 88% of people that aren't healthy, 
probably 75% of them are diabetic or pre-diabetic because a lot of people that are pre-diabetic don't even know that they are. Um, so to me, that is one of the biggest, biggest benefits of um, doing keto or at least doing low carb is you can really start to get a handle on your blood sugar. You touched on some really good points there that I want to elaborate on a little bit. I'm not going to take too long, but first, the thing about being pre-diabetic, um, the conversation I had with Emily Cornelius, she's an insulin resistant um, nutritionist or dietitian, that's what I thought. She, we mentioned that most people who are overweight are insulin resistant because your insulin levels are constantly high. So your body eventually can't deal with all the excess insulin. That's why when you see your body storing all the sugars that you're eating, all that glycogen compared to fat, then you, you have to become insulin resistant because your body's just producing more insulin that it needs. And that's what leads to being pre-diabetic and type 2 diabetic. That's the first thing I want to touch on there. So you're definitely right. When it comes to the keto diet, most, and I'm a hundred percent believer in this and HR can come after me if they want to, but I believe that... <laughs> Almost every health issue can be corrected, improved, or reversed by being on a low-carb or keto diet. And this is why. Rob Wolf, very brilliant scientist, said that our mitochondria have five main pathways, one, three, four, and five, right? Sugars go through pathways one, three, four, and five, right, which are high inflammation pathways. Fat is metabolized through pathway number two which is a low inflammation pathway. And I learned that from reading and watching the work of Rob Wolf. Now, why is that important? What is the ground issue causing most health problems today? Chronic inflammation. inflammation. So if you're on a low inflammation diet, that can help with so many things. Now, I'm not saying that just going on a keto diet is going to help you because there are other things that comes along with that. But that's something to consider if you have health problems because then you start to realize that your body doesn't depend on sugars as much. Um, so that's also something else that's really huge. And to me, that's enough for me to say, you know what, let me look more into a keto diet and see how, it, or just a low carb diet in general, someone who's diabetic. Now, th th this is the, the issue with someone who's already type 2 diabetic. If they're taking insulin and they try to switch to a low carb diet, they may have low blood sugar which can create an issue. That's why it's important, especially if you're type 2 diabetic to work with a medical professional or a licensed um, registered nutrition or diet, dietitian or nutritionist. Can't talk there, I kind of lost my words. But is I'm smart people, I swear to you I am. It's been a long day, it's been a long day. Um, but well, yeah, it's important to work with a medical professional because they will know how to work around the medication or even limit the medication based on what you need, especially if you're a dietitian or a nutritionist. But it can be very helpful for you. So thank you so much for bringing those up. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And just to piggyback off of that, I was just, um, I interviewed for my uh, podcast, uh, Brian Lenskis, who is one of the low carb MD hosts. And, you know, I've heard them talk about many times on their podcast, they get patients coming to them and they have to lower the insulin, like almost immediately. Like it happens so quickly when somebody starts going low carb is that their, their blood sugar starts coming down. So again, to reiterate to people, like if you are type two diabetic, that's medicated, then definitely, you know, work with your doctor 
doctor if you're going to do this. Um, but you know, if you're not medicated at all and you just know that you've had a blood sugar problem for a while, there's nothing stopping you from you know starting to gradually reduce your carbs so that you don't shock your system too much. I think particularly when you're working with a disease process situation, you might want to move into it a little bit more slowly just to give your body time to adjust. Thank you so much for that. And you're right. You're right. We don't get into towards the end of how to kind of to how to really start a keto diet. So we're going to definitely get into that. So stick around, everybody. Stick around. Now, let's talk about the mind, because I don't just want to be, you know, the most fit and strongest guy and best looking guy in the world. But <laughs> I also want to be mentally sharp, right? It's an audio show, so I can say whatever I want. But I want to be mentally sharp, <laughs> But you're right? so cute, though. They should see. You should put this on your YouTube. <laughs> see, I can't blush. I can't blush. But apparently, she's trying. She's trying. Now, what is um? what are some of the psychological benefits that you can think of of being on a keto diet? Mm, so this is a good one. <laughs> so I think one of the biggest ones, and here's how I like to say it. I think everybody probably has a different way that they like to think of it. But to me, it means food freedom. And to some people that will sound weird since, you know, often you're not eating certain foods when you go on keto. But to me, it's food freedom because it just, since you no longer have that hangry monster, you no longer have these constant swings of blood sugar, it really frees you up to just make good decisions because you don't get overly hungry and just grab something because it's the only thing that's there. It And then, like I said, with the mental clarity, I think, well, I'll just share that. I mean, I've, I've talked about this in the past. I struggled with depression on and off my whole adult life. And this is the first time since I've been, so basically since 2016, where I just have, now that's not to say that, you know, everybody has hard days, you know, whatever here and there, but I'm talking about like before I had really diagnosed depression. And I'm convinced it was all of those years of low fat because fat is so important to, to every bodily process. It re regulates your hormones. It's so important for your brain. And I think the combination of being in ketosis and, uh, having more fat in my diet, especially uh, really healthy saturated fat, I just think that that has made all the difference. Um, so other psychological benefits, I again, I think it just makes it really easier to make good decisions. And so that also carries over into your workouts. So instead of being so tired and exhausted or you get that crash in the afternoon where you're just tired, you just want to take a nap, instead you have enough energy to, you know, go ahead and do your workout or to, you know, get other things done that you need to do. So I think that there are a number, and that's probably, I'm so glad that you asked that question because I think it's really underrated how many um, psychological benefits there are actually to it. And you know what? Everyone that I've ever met that has, um, that struggles with mental health issues, everyone that I've ever met, I'm not saying the others that may fall outside of this range, but they usually eat a lot of sugars. Whenever I look at their diet, they eat a lot of sugars. And again, the mitochondrial pathways, because remember, inflammation, as you know, also Im impacts the mind greatly. Mm -hmm. The other piece that we tend to miss is that the brain can also run on ketones, on, on ketones, sorry. And Dr. Michael Platt mentioned that as well. That's why at night he has his certain things he recommends that we eat. So our brain gets glucose and ketones before we go to bed to improve our sleep because our brain can run on ketones or, or, or glucose, sorry. So that's very important to understand because it's, and, but the one key thing that people miss who are switching to keto, and we don't get into it when you give your tips, is 
if you're not metabolically flexible, keto, keto can be a little bit harder for you, especially in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. And metabolic flexibility is very important. I've talked about Lumen a lot on my show, and it's uh, the only breathalyzer on the market that you blow into it gives you, um, tells you if your body is primarily burning fat or carbs, and then your nutritionist gives you um, dietary recommendations, so your metabolism can become more flexible. So if you're a sugar burner, you can move towards the fat side and start burning carbs and fats and vice versa, right? And so, and it's very, it is very important to be metabolically flexible. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up, anybody, if you guys want to check out Lumen, this eco-recommendation page in the description of the podcast, you can click on that. And you can get the, I'll get the link to Lumen and, and get my discount code as well. So I have to throw my uh, sameness plug in there. I got to throw it in there. But anyway, so with that being said, though, why is, it, why is that important? Well, if when, when I run on fat, I don't feel a mental difference from when I run on glucose. Why? My metabolic score is about a 20 out of 21, well, according to Lumen at least, right? I can run on fat or I can run on glucose just fine, no problems. So I don't have that coming to Jesus, the, the heavens are opening up kind of moment, right? But for someone who's not good on running on fat, they may struggle in the beginning because their body doesn't have adequate enzymes to break the fat down properly. So that's why it's important to take the gradual approach. So your body over time will start to develop those enzymes. So, okay, you're feeding me more fat, I'm going to have to break down more fat. So that's very important. And I have an actual short on from, uh, I think it's January on gut enzymes and how that works and all that stuff. So I'm not going to get into all that. But being metabolically flexible is a very important part of shifting you into, into, a, higher, into a higher fat diet, which is key because it, that, at that point, your adrenaline stays balanced, your stress stays balanced, and your blood sugar stays balanced. Everything just works out for you. And mentally, you can run on glucose or you can run on ketones. And guess what? As you train, I, li- I lift weights six days a week. I do cardio about three days a week, mix it up in there somewhere. And based on how I train, sometimes I run on ketones. Sometimes I run on sugars, or should I say glucose. Being flexible is the key to being successful when it comes to being physically and mentally. And so thank you again. Mm, nope. Now, couldn't agree more. I was waiting to see if anything to add. Sorry about that. Now, <laughs> are there any drawbacks? to being on the keto diet? Well, I think it depends on what your goals are. And that's really anytime I talk to people about what they want to do, it's like, what are your goals? Because depending on what your goals are, you might have very different levels of carbs in your life or not carbs in your life. So for example, if you're diabetic or pre-diabetic, like the example that we had before, you're probably going to want to be pretty strict for a while with your carb intake and uh, your sugar intake. So that's a separate situation. If your goal is weight loss, you might choose to be more strict with it for a while because like I said, if you have that even blood sugar from not eating carbs and you're not yet metabolically flexible, you're gonna find it a whole lot easier to eat less when you're in a uh, state of ketosis where your body can easily access fat and use that for fuel, you will, not have these like hanger situations where you're, when you're trying to diet and reduce your calories, right? If your goal is just overall health and you don't have any gluten sensitivities or anything like that, then I think you can be a whole lot more flexible with your uh, approach to keto. So to me, it always just depends on what your goals are. And that's, that's what you have to keep in the back of your mind is, is what, what, what goal are you trying to reach? And so, like I said, for me, 
Um, at this point, I definitely have metabolic flexibility. Every once in a while, I make the choice. It's an intentional choice to eat something that is more, uh, you know, carb laden if I want to. Um, but that's after doing it for like six years. That's like a lot easier for me to do that. And I don't seem to have any ill effects from it. Some people from a psychological standpoint, especially if they struggle with weight, um, you know, if they eat uh, something like a donut or a car, you know, whatever their favorite thing is, a piece of pizza or whatever, sometimes it'll send them off the rails and they get, they go off track for multiple days or they can't get back on it. So I think part of it is knowing yourself and the other part of it is knowing your goals. So I think the only drawbacks are, are those things. And if there's, you know, if there's a food that you just absolutely love and you can't live without my advice is you know get those first four months in of where you're relatively strict with keto get fat adapted get to where you're metabolically flexible and then if there's something that you really want even if you're still trying to lose weight or whatever every once in a while just have it because from a psychological perspective you're going to do yourself more harm than good by constantly denying yourself than you would if you just have it get it out of your system and move on with your life so again it's it's based on your goals and it's based on knowing yourself like is eating that one thing that you really want going to totally derail you and put you off for weeks? Or can you eat that, go to bed that night, wake up the next morning and, you know, eat your healthy, low carb lifestyle again, then, Hey, I'm, I'm all for it. So I think these really rigid ideas around food sometimes are really negative from a psychological point for people. So again, it's, to me, it just always goes back to knowing what your goal is. And that's, to me, that's the most important thing. I wasn't planning on asking this question, but now I'm curious. Are you always in a state of ketosis or do you cycle ketosis? I don't cycle. I'm not against it. I just, um, for me personally, I, I like what I eat. I, I like the way that I eat every day. I don't really miss anything that much. Like I said, if about probably once every six weeks or so, I'll have a my, here. And I'll tell you what my thing is. It's, it's a, a croissant, like a really legitimate French, really good croissant. Cause to me on keto, that's the one thing, like there's a lot of substitutions for things that you can have that are still really good. Um, like for example, creme brulee, you can make a really awesome creme brulee that like, if I didn't tell you that it was keto, you would have, you would have no idea, but bread, every keto bread, I don't care which one it is. None of them are good. <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's true. I mean, some of them that are the substitute that are, they're still made out of wheat though. That's the thing. And so for mm -hmm. some people, that's a, that's an issue. Um, but so anyway, this croissant, about once every six weeks, I have it. I sit there and I, I just savor it. I taste every bite. I love on it and it's wonderful. And then I just move on with my life. I go back to how I do. But, you know, for some people, if they want a psych, I'm not against it. I just, I've never found that I need to do it that much. And I don't do a ton of... Um, lifting or anything right now. If I moved back into that, then maybe I would, you know, cycle in some carbs pre-workout um, because I've definitely heard some people that helps with performance. Other people, like after you've been in ketosis for a long time, you really don't have to do that. So um, it's nothing I'm against. It's just, I don't do it personally. Okay. I'm just, I'm just curious because uh, I cycle ketosis. I've been cycling ketosis for years, but the reason why I do that is is for my training and I train based on how I train. My performance is different whether I'm running in on ketosis, on ketones or on glucose. 
if I'm like if I'm doing endurance work, I can run on ketones with no problem. When I when I'm constantly above the anaerobic zone, I like to use a little glucose to kind of push me through. But even when, when I'm when I say cycle ketosis, I do it for a while. Like it can be like four or five weeks when I'm constantly in ketosis. And then depending on the weather, because I think about it as in the way of our ancestors. Our ancestors had moments that they run on sugars, moments that run on ketones. However, again, like you said, it really depends on the person, depends on your lifestyle. There are a lot of things that goes into it. There's no one way to say this is wrong or this is right. But the things that I'm mentioning are just things to consider. So thank you. Thank you for, for really clarifying that because I was really interested in your answer there. Yep. Now, this is the, uh, the question that we've been wanting to come up for, right? How to get this puppy started. What are some steps to start keto keto diet? And how does the keto flu play a part in this? Well, I would say that what I recommend now, I know everybody, once they decide to do it, there's two different personalities, right? Kind of the type A and the type B person is what it ends up being where the type A is just like, yeah, I'm ready to do it. I'm going to be keto. I'm going to eat 20 grams of carbs a day. And they just like want to jump right in, right? Which can, can work. Actually, um, I had been probably low carb for a good nine months to a year. And when I say low carb for me, that meant I was at around a hundred grams of carbs per day. At that point, I was still including, um, some black beans was one of my typical things. And I can't even remember what occasional, like maybe a piece of toast occasionally kind of thing. Um, and probably a lot more, uh, vegetables. So I would probably end up being around a hundred and I was tracking for a while. Cause this is during the part where I was trying to lose a little bit of weight. And, um, so then though, when I decided to go keto, I went from about hundred grams of carbs a day down to 20 and I am that type A person. So I just went for it. But I would say, you know, I was already relatively low. If you're a person that's coming from really a standard American diet or, or not a very healthy diet, you're eating like peanuts and, or pizza and donuts and, and those kind of things on a regular basis. I would say you're, you would shock your system if you really go at it like whole hardcore. So how I always recommend to people to do it, if they can be a little patient, is to take a few weeks to ease into ketosis. <laughs> so basically in the beginning, it's starting with the most obvious things. For example, if you drink um, sodas with sugar, cut those out and maybe do that for a couple days to a week. And then if it's like you're still eating sandwiches and pasta, maybe two to three days a week, you cut that out or you cut one of those groups out and you just start whittling it down over time. That's also going to uh, make keto flu a little more bearable. Keto flu makes it sounds so scary to people, but it's really it's just the process of your body switching from being a sugar burner to a fat burner. And uh, as you mentioned before, your muscles will store glycogen. So when in the beginning in keto, your muscles are all full of this glycogen. And for every gram of glycogen that's stored in the muscles, there's three grams of water. And so this is where people get really excited on keto because when you get down to the low carb level and your body starts, you know, kicking out all these. Uh, this glycogen out of your body, well, guess what? The water goes along with it. And that's when you might see this nice uh, drop on the scale that people see in the beginning with keto. Now, if that doesn't happen to you for some reason, don't worry. It's not a problem. It's it's just something that I like to mention because it happens and that's why some people are attracted to keto. They're like, they hear that they can lose 10 pounds really fast. But if you do that really quickly, that same process where your body is storing that water with the glycogen, there's, if you remember back to high school, um, 
science, there's kind of like this cellular thing, and you, you probably can explain this even better than I can, sounds like your science background, but it's like the sodium potassium pump. And so that changes balance in your body as you're doing going into ketosis. And so you're gonna lose more water and through that process, you might get a little dehydrated. You're also flushing out sodium and that can make people feel bad. So the main thing to remember when you're doing this, once you start getting into the carb level, I'd say under 75 to 50 carbs a day is you really want to work on electrolytes. And when I say electrolytes, don't go to the grocery store and buy Gatorade because Gatorade is not only full of sugar, it also doesn't have any significant electrolytes. It has like, I don't know, something stupid like 15 grams of sodium and that's it. That's not, doesn't include potassium, doesn't include magnesium, it doesn't include actual electrolytes. So go to your Whole Foods or go online on my resources page. I have my favorite ones listed and I'm sure you have some on your page as well that are your favorites, but just look for a sugar-free or something that is sweetened with one of the good keto sweeteners like um, monk fruit or allulose or stevia. Those are my top three. Uh, the reason I mention that, there are some other no-calorie sweeteners that actually act in your body just like sugar. It shoots your insulin up and your blood sugar as much as real sugar. So try to stick with those three sweeteners as much as possible, maybe erythritol if you tolerate it. Um, but yeah, so keto flu can for the most part be avoided with good electrolyte supplementation. And also just know like, like if you're going into it a little slower, you're just giving your body some extra time to upregulate some of these processes that we talked about to switch from being a sugar burner to a fat burner. So that's really how I'd get started. I would just say go slow. Um, if people want to know a little bit more detail about that, um, this is of course audio only, but I'll just share this with you since I have you in front of me. It's not my um, actual book yet, but it's, I, I just have the cover printed out kind of for inspiration next to me. Um, but it's going to be on pre-sale uh, this week, and then it'll be out on Amazon like for full release on May 11th. And the name of it, and it'll say it all, 21 Day Fat Loss Kickstart, Make Keto Easy, Take Diet Breaks, and Still Lose Weight. So in the whole beginning part is kind of about how to actually start doing all that, how to get into ketosis, what it is, um, all the stuff about fasting, and then you kind of go into this 21-day program that's really focused uh, specifically on a program that will give you some dramatic fat loss with in that 21 days, and then you take a break because that's, to me, the most important part of dieting that people don't talk about is you can't keep going day after day after day after day in a calorie deficit. You're going to slow down your metabolism. You're going to feel awful. You're going to start losing muscle. I mean, there's a lot of negatives to it. So the whole taking a break thing to me is the real beauty of the whole, of the whole program. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm dead serious. I'm going to be, I'm going not say the first, but I'm going to buy your book when it comes out and uh, <laughs> actually share it with my audience as well. So thank you so much for letting me know about that. I didn't know you were writing a book I'll show you another I'm, book, I'm so. sneaky. I don't like to talk about it until it's like actually done because I just get so nervous. <laughs> but I'm the same way. I've talked about my book that I'm going to launch this year. Haven't written a word. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to keep checking with you. Now that you, now that you said that, I'm going to keep checking with you about it. I, I was supposed to start on vacation when I, my plan was I was in Jamaica on the beach. I'm going to start writing. Never happened. <laughs> but I was busy playing my guitar most of the time. But anyway, uh, but you you touched on a couple of things. Just a quick summary, not going to dive into because I 100% agree. But one is a gradual step. 
the first thing with a gradual step, you'll see, a, you would more likely see gradual weight loss as well. Some of it's going to be water, of course, because, you know, carbohydrates is what I call them. <laughs> um, so you can see some of that, but also less um, glycogen storage and also less insulin turning that excess glycogen into fat, right? So that's the third thing with a gradual approach. And then the next tip is that over time, especially if you're eating a higher fat diet, while you're doing the replacement, because that's the important piece, is lowering the carbs, but increasing the fat intake gradually. Mm -hmm. So your body then creates more lipase and all the fat burning enzymes. So thank you so much. That's true. That's really true. And I am so glad that you brought up electrolytes because I was going <laughs> to, I was hoping you got there. I remember before I started doing ketosis years ago, someone said, if you want to start the keto diet, just take some salt and just lick it like once a day for the first few days and your keto food will go away. I don't know how true that is, but of course we know sodium is electrolytes as well. It's better than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the idea is you do need electrolytes to keep yourself hydrated and Gatorade is lemonade with water. That's what I'll call it. I'm sorry, lemonade <laughs> with some electrolytes sprinkled into it. That's what I meant to say. So a little, you get a little bit of electrolytes there and you get some acety potassium, some stuff I can't pronounce that's not good for you anyway. So you get all that and then you get the sugar. So you, you can't really be in ketosis if you drink Gatorade anyway, unless you go drink like a tiny little cups. Thank you so much. Go to her website, check out what she has there and look at some good alternatives to the nasty crap that they feed us in stores these days. So thank you so much for that. Now, you've given us a lot of great information. Uh, I love it. My audience is going to love it, of course. And when your book comes out, I'm going to sing it to the world. Now, with that being said, is there anything that I haven't asked that you would like to add? Um, I can't think of anything, really. I mean... Other, I think, I mean, I think we hit on all the relevant things for keto. I guess I would say the other thing that, and I do mention this in the book is if, if people are in a long-term pattern of trying to lose weight and they get stuck, that's really what made me start this. Cause I hear this all the time from people like I'm stuck on a plateau, the scale is not moving, you know, and it's like, what do I do? And sometimes it's just like waited out. Sometimes it's the way I designed this 21 day thing. It's like shaking things up. You can't do the same thing day after day after day and expect your body only gets more efficient when you do the same thing. That's same, same practice like in workouts, right? You have to always challenge your body, challenge your muscles to do new things to get gains. And it's the same way with weight loss. So the shaking it up, but on top of that, stress and sleep are two of like the most underrated factors that play a role in weight loss. And so I'd say to people, if things are stuck, take a look at how you're sleeping, how much you're sleeping, and also your stress level. Because again, I mentioned um, that Dr. Lenskis, he's, he's talked about this before. He has a lot of his patients wear continuous glucose monitors. And if people don't know what that is, it's this uh, device that goes on the back of your arm and measures the interstitial fluid, and it's an indirect measure of your glucose. So anyway, he would say that he had this one uh, patient that was an attorney, and every time he'd go in to the courtroom to do present pre present his case, he, he would go in fasted. So he hadn't even eaten anything. But as soon as he would start, you know, having to talk to the jury or present his case and do all this stuff, it's very stressful. And his glucose would shoot up. So and, and in his particular case, there's not a whole lot you can do about that. That is part of his job. He has to do it. Um, but there's plenty of other stress in your life that 
can sometimes be mitigated, or at least you can do things to counteract it, um, like meditation, like yoga, other relaxing activities. You got to take some time for yourself too to just reset. And so that's probably the only other thing that I would add is, you know, of course, it's a lot about what you're putting in your mouth, no doubt about it, and how you're moving your body. Um, but if you're stuck, look at those couple other factors. And in fact, you should just have that in top of mind right when you get started, because it'll only help you along the way if you just keep all that in mind. Thank you so much. And you know what? A couple of things with sleep I want to mention, and I kind of hit on it earlier, but I want to be very clear on this. Our brains can use glucose or ketones um, for energy right? So at night, it's okay to get a little bit of glucose to help you to fall asleep. And, and, and if you're metabolically flexible, like myself, your brain can also run on ketones very well. Now, if you're not metabolically flexible, your adrenaline may raise your body's trying to break down fat, it may struggle with it. So in the beginning, you may want to think about maybe raising your, your glucose levels at night just a little bit. So your brain can have enough to sleep until you're more fat adapted to where your body can break down the fat and use that ketones as well. So that helps tremendously with sleep, along with a bunch of other tips that I have on my website, secrethealth.com. I have an entire article on tips to get quality sleep, but I want to mention that it's very important because we're talking about nutrition and ketosis. You're definitely right. The next tip with stress is lowering our adrenaline levels is very important because cortisol is the response. Stress is the response. When our adrenal levels are constantly high, it tells our body we're under stress and our body responds by increasing our cortisol levels. So listen to my interview with uh, Dr. Michael Platt, and we dove into that so much on, on adrenaline. And he has a fantastic book, one of my favorite books of all time, literally one of my favorite books of all time called Adrenaline Dominance. I absolutely love it. And I recommend it to everyone because we all struggle with stress on some level. Some are better than others, but you know, I'm a mere mortal. So what is what it is? Now, last question before we get out of here, what services do you offer to keto beginners or just keep people who want to do keto in general? And how can my audience get in touch with you? So it's pretty easy. I am Heal, Nourish, Grow literally everywhere, every social channel, my website, all of that. Um, services at, th at this point, most most everything I offer is free for the most part. I just do a lot of education. I do a lot of this kind of stuff where I talk to lovely people like you on the internet. And I, you know, I have the books that I mentioned. I, I have a secret one that I can't really talk about yet, but it's a cookbook coming out in July. And they said, I'm not allowed to like talk about the title or anything yet, but it is coming. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I do coaching. A lot of the things I do, if people just have general questions, I'm always happy as long as I have free time, I'll just, you know, answer them for free. But if people want like more regimented coaching, I do do that on occasion too when I have time. Um, so yeah, and who knows what in the future, but for now, um, you can get a lot of good information on the website. I have the um, Getting Started with Keto Resource Guide. I have all, I don't know, all kinds of stuff on there, all my recipes and um, of course the podcast, which hopefully you will be on soon. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I would love to be on your show, by the way. I am so honored. I am so honored. I didn't have to ask, right? I didn't have to ask. I just, <laughs> I just feel so special now. Like my day is better. I can cancel all everything else I got to do and just you know watch cartoons the rest of the day or something. But, but thank you so much, Cheryl. That was a fantastic, this is a fantastic interview. See, I'm blushing. I can't even talk. And uh, my audience is going to love it. I definitely love it. And we're going to do some more work in the future. When your book comes out, send me a DM on Instagram and I'll make sure I share that with my audience as well. So enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So nice. And uh, thanks again for having me. Thanks for listening. 
to the Zika Health Show. If you got good quality content out of this or any of my episodes, save, subscribe, and share it with family, friends, co-workers, or anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.